welcome to Amnesty International's comedy podcast series. This year, Amnesty's had exclusive backstage access at two of the biggest events on the comedy calendar, the 2014 Edinburgh Festival Fringe and the Balham Comedy Festival in London. We'll be bringing you a series of interviews with some of the greatest stand-up comedians working today, and along with finding out about the business of laughter, we'll be chatting about life, politics and human rights. To kick us off, we talk to poet, actor, cartoonist and comedian Phil Jupitus. He reveals his former life in music videos with the likes of Billy Bragg and Kirsty McCall, why he thinks Eddie Izzard could be the next London mayor and why comedy won't change the world. Phil Jupitus, thank you very much for joining us backstage at the Ballam Comedy Festival. Thank you. Thank you for giving Amnesty International a bit of your time. So the title of your new show is called Shirking Progress. Mm-hmm. What can we expect to see? Um, it's, it's basically, uh, I, it's odd really, with, with, with regard to sort of stand-up and titling a show. Um, it's the first time I've thought of a title for a show that, that is actually sort of true. And I'd sooner just put my name on a poster, to be honest with you, and number them. <laughs> but, and I should have started doing that years ago, but uh, sadly I didn't. But it's just, it's just really, I think that as you get older and you're in the same job for a long time, you start to think about the ways in which you've changed. And what happens is fundamentally people are quite resistant to change. You, you're basically, you're the same sort of person. You just accrue more knowledge. Mm. And so I'm still doing the same gigs I was doing in terms of scale 30 years ago. I've not advanced. I'm not doing the O2 or the Apollo. And I've kind of deliberately not. Whenever people say to me, oh, we could do big rooms, I'm like, well, I'd, I'd rather do the City Varieties in Leeds or I'd rather do the Stand in, you know, I don't, I, 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 quite, I quite like the scale it's at and so I've not, mm. I'm, not I'm just not ambitious and never have been really. Um, Buzzcocks is a, was a happy accident that I got that and that's been going for 18, 19 years now mm. um, and it's still fun to do you know working with old fielding and i don't know if you know they just announced that rob gilbert's taken over as a permanent host oh really on the bus cock, so, um no 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 Noel's still team captain. oh permanent host so it's, Sorry, yes yeah. me me and noel with rod gilbert in the middle chair for oh, this series so um yes yeah, it's it's, uh, it's the life I, I prefer to treat life as a sort of happy accident if the thing about i think with comedy if i treated it like a job i'd fall out of love with it kind of really quickly so I've I've quite enjoyed the times when I've been away from it like the five years I was at Six Music you know and then I came back and I started doing a bit of acting in the West End and on tour I did Hairspray and Spam a lot Mm. it's the thing the luxury of the nature of the job that I do is you can do lots of different things so I've been a breakfast DJ actor Mm. uh, been a journalist football journalist for the Times loads of different things so you do all this stuff and your content is obviously maturing and growing with well, what you're just, doing. Well, it's yeah. just that you, you when, when you come back to it, you're a different person. But you know, in other respects, you, you haven't really, you, you haven't advanced much. The world has changed around you. My kids have got older. You know, society's become less tolerant. You know, it's weird. I came through the eighties, and that was a time when you know mm. I was involved with Red Wedge, and you know we were sort of actively working with the Labour Party, and things seemed possible then. And and then you watch the reality of that. Which is, which is people who used to used to respect for their spirit and their commitment get mired in process and and administration mm. and yeah and then 
you get the position where you know you are massively let down by people yeah so so yeah it's odd yeah it's odd that you know the world's changing around me and i've not changed that much really i suppose i thought the show was great and you're taking it up to edinburgh yes indeed yeah yeah, and but am i right in thinking porky the poet's also making an appearance Mm. No, I've been doing a Porky the Poet show. I did it the last two years, and I've got another. I've got a new show now, which was actually written by last October. So the Porky the Poet show was done and dusted. Uh, yeah, about nine months ago, which is really weird. I was very ahead of the curve. I, uh, the, the whole Edinburgh experience last year was incredibly sort of inspirational, and it just sent me off on a real creative jag for a couple of months. And so I had a load of new stuff done by yeah by last autumn, and so. I've I've taken that out a few times and it's you know I found the good ones, and so uh, yeah yeah so yeah Porky the poet's uh, duplicity. So it sounds like it's going to be stressful. Is the por- no no not at all. You see, I would I would I'm, I treat Edinburgh in a quite counterintuitive way, which is that I think the more you're doing, you actually don't have time to be stressed, genuinely. Because you've got to just think about the next gig. You can't be worrying about how bad the last one was because you've got to get your head together for the next one. And so I'm working from 8 in the morning till noon, pretty much in a four-hour block. I've got two poems to write. I've got to do a drawing because I'm doing a show called Sketch Comic uh, in association with the National uh, Gallery of Scotland where I'm copying a piece of art every day. And then at the end of the week, I do a lecture on the seven pieces of art that I've copied. And I'm, so I'm going to do three art lectures at the Fringe this year. I've never done an art lecture in my life. Uh, with Hannah Gadsby, the Australian stand-up, who has a degree in art history and also does an excellent uh, TV series in Australia about um, about art. Um, so I'm doing that in the morning. And then I've got a stand-up show, the one you just saw, which is Shirk in Progress, yeah. quarter to two, at Stand 5. Uh, which is, uh, I think it only holds 50 people, Stand 5, so, and the tickets are already selling quite well, well so if good. you want to come and see that one at the Fringe, you better get your get your arse in gear. And um, then, yeah, Porky at 5 o'clock, and then obviously there's other little bits and bobs you get asked to do, little um, extracurricular jokes. They're doing um, uh, Why Does the Title Matter Anyway, which is the improvised comedy show, Clive Anderson, Josie Lawrence, Steve Frost, Greg Proops, uh, Colin Mockery. Richard Ranch, uh, Phil Pope on the piano. The, the, the old, uh, it's based on a television show. People might know that they're not, they're not allowed to use the name of. Um, and I'm guesting on that. I'm doing three of those shows as well with Clive and the team. So that'll be a laugh. So there's plenty of Phil to go around. Well, it's, it's, just, well it's, it's just that it is the biggest international arts festival in the world. So why not embrace it? It's not that I'm, mm. I'm not showing off. I'm not saying, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm just like, it's, you, there's a, it's an open playing field. And so why not? In, I do these things. I'm not doing them to advance my career. My career's done. I'm finished. I'm just now enjoying this yeah. world that I work in. Because it's, it's a luxury to do that. You know, I'm also doing the Literary Festival in Edinburgh. Uh, I'm going to see... The day before the Fringe starts, I'm going to see um, Burt Bacharach at the Playhouse. <laughs> um, I'm seeing the former American Poet Laureate, Billy Collins, is on at the Fringe. I've got tickets to see, to see him. Um, there's just loads of, loads of stuff going on. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I can never really understand people that are doing one show who moan about how stressful <laughs> or how rubbish it is. I'm like... Well, then, then give me more just do more <laughs> yeah. do more think of other things to do and and people are starting to adopt that paradigm now Lo- loads of people I know do at least two shows mm. um, and some do four of- Robin Ince was the guy that I saw who I thought that is how to do Edinburgh that is the way to do it Phil 
every moment mm. with work and and just you know just keeps your mind constantly buzzing well, it's great i can't wait to see you i wanted to take you back now to because uh, we've talked about porky yeah so what you, that was your starting point wasn't it mm. as porky the poet and mm. then you moved into comedy i was wondering yeah. what made you change uh, well the, i mean it was a chance encounter really there were two things firstly um I, I did a lot of chit-chat between the poems, and the chit-chat was funny as well, and I used to enjoy just talking. And then I did a gig in Leeds. I was supporting um, a, a Leeds band called Surfing Dave and the Absent Legends at Leeds University. And James Brown, who was a mate of mine who went on to edit um, Loaded and worked at the NME, James was a music journalist, and he came to the gig. And when I came off stage, he went, you do know that the bits between the poems are funnier than the poems, don't you? <laughs> and another thing that happened was I tried to get booked at the comedy store because um, Mark Thomas and Kevin Day had said, you, sh- you should be on at the store. You know, you're good enough to do the store. And I remember phoning the store and, and speaking to the booker there and saying, I wondered if I could come and do an open spot. And he went, what's your name? And I said, Porky the Poet. And he went, we don't book poets. And he hung up the phone. <laughs> And so if I was ever going to advance, because the poetry circuit was, there were some great organisations, you know, Cynics and Idealists, Apples and Snakes, um, you know. Um, I was doing sort of bits and bobs around London, poetry gigs, um, doing stuff with Billy Bragg occasionally. But um, there was just not, there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much work. There was a, there was a much smaller pond for poetry than there was for comedy. Hmm. So, so it was just... Um, and also, I liked not being constrained by form. It was fun to be able to just free associate mm. and to talk and to sort of improvise a little bit more with what you were saying on stage. And you couldn't really do that with poetry. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that it happened quite organically, really. But there was I'd an sort it, of drifted out of it. There was an intervening period where you uh, joined the record industry for a while, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, no, it was it because was um, when I, I did the tour with Billy and I kind of, that was really good fun and that went well, but... Then I tried to get gigs, and then you realise that there's, there's there's a very limited market for poetry. And I was like, I had about £2,000 saved, and I got through that in the year. And then I had to get a job, you know. I was I was potless, I didn't have any money, and so I had to get a day job. And his record company, Billy Bragg's record company, Go Discs, were hiring, and so I ended up working with them for five years, which is weird because it put me off music. Is it is it true that you directed his video Sexuality? Yeah, yeah. I, love I directed that video. Sexuality. <laughs> in fact, I did three for Billy: uh, Sexuality, You Woke Up My Neighbourhood, and Accident Waiting to Happen. I did um, All I Ever Wanted for Kirsty McColl. Uh, I was in the video for Happy Hour by the House Martins. You were you were in the Sexuality video as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I always used to do the Alfred Hitchcock style cameo. <laughs> it's uh, what I love about it. It's the most literal video. But that ever. was that was I kind of walked through and I thought I want to do an actual frame for frame like if I would how I would draw it yeah and everyone was doing these really simple like REM were doing all this symbolic weird yeah. stuff and I just said it's Billy he's very didactic let's do a really funny <laughs> and it got nominated for a Brit award one of my favorite bits is uh I've met uh, he sings I've made passes at women of all classes and then yeah. you see Billy Bragg on screen passing footballs to women yeah it's just it's just brilliant yeah <laughs> we got the girl in the Arsenal strip is actually was the striker for Arsenal ladies oh really she was actual yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so, uh, talking of Billy Bragg, of course, yeah, um, he's a big political singer. But so, how well do you think politics and music integrate? Well, it's, I mean, it's in terms of 
I think it's brilliant. It's a great thing to talk about. And Billy's brilliant at it. You just have to see, you know, I was at the left field at Glastonbury this year. It's, it's you know, they, they just work very well together. They always have worked together, you know. Songs were a way of communicating news, hmm. you know, uh, in feudal times. And the power of, you know, sung narrative has never left, you know. Um, miners, choirs, you know. Uh, fishing songs workers have always communicated through mm. music um the the sort of folk music and oral tradition there is a massively political dimension to that and there always will be you know and there's still people now like kate tempest scrubius pip you know there's there's people doing political stuff now you know mm. um, i saw anti-flag at glastonbury this year um an american punk band from I think from Pittsburgh, but it might be Philadelphia. It was a pea city, uh, Portland. Uh, can't remember. And they uh, they were they were astonishing, and and just it's that it's just that that sort of passion. And Billy's still, but I'm I'm just I'm you know what I'm, uh, astonishes me most about Billy is that he's never lost the passion. Mm. Whereas I've felt massively let down by organised politics in recent years. But whenever I see him. You, you you feel the bug again. You feel the optimism mm. again. No, definitely. Or, or, you know, or even talking to Eddie Izzard, you know, who's a man who who will be an MP or Mayor of London within five years. One or the other. <laughs> he will be. He just will be. And it's not a, I might. It's, you know, no, that's what I'll be doing. I'll either be Mayor or I'll be an MP. But you, you deal with politics in your set as well. Um, yeah, just more that my more my kind of disenchantment with it, really, at the moment. Because I was... I was used to work at Walworth Road. I used to work in the Labour Party offices. And it's just... The thing is, is when you work in that world, there are... I, I just... You, it's really easy to be dazzled by the... It's very show busy. There's a kind of... There's a, someone was telling me there's a phenomena that um, Labour members suffer. New Labour or Lib Dem people, when they go to Parliament... They are overwhelmed by their surroundings and can't talk and can't mm. cope. But you see, the thing is, is all the Tories went to boarding schools and Oxford and Cambridge, and they've been around that sort of architecture and that sort of atmosphere all their life. That's mm. that's how entitlement works. You're not threatened by it. You you thrive in that environment. And so I, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not the biggest fan. I think there's some, you know, people like Dennis Skinner. Dennis Skinner's still going. The fact that Dennis is still going heartens me. Mm. But other than that, I think they're not worth a light. Do you think comedy can change anything? No. That's why I don't go on question time. <laughs> I think that it can make some really brilliant points, but and it can it can communicate an idea better than straight journalism. I think John Stewart and John Oliver in America um, are a more credible force for opposition than the actual political establishment in America, which mm. has become moribund. The House of Representatives and the Senate are failing massively uh, in the states and that 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 that's how politics doesn't work is is the american system that which is just a joke and so if we can move on to human rights as you know amnesty international defends human rights the human rights act ensures we're all able to do things like get an education marry who we want vote and be free from torture and forced labor now, the Tories have said that they may scrap the Human Rights Act after the next election. How do you feel about that? I'm not, I'm not at all surprised. It's just because they're, being, they're quite bold, this lot, in that they, they want to really... They don't want anything in their way. And the thing is, is that 
is the Human Rights Act gives a framework and a process for challenging things. And it's that framework and process is what they want to get rid of. It's, it's all the things they're getting rid of, you know, it's the, the National Health Service. They want, us, they want us completely and utterly dependent on a corporate capitalist system. And they're moving towards that and no one is stopping them because everyone is distracted by mm. uh, lesser concerns. You know, and as, you know, as Billy Bragg said it, and I will cling to it, you know, the country's in a real state. And I would remind listeners that it was not immigrants who crashed the banks in 2008. Mm. And those people that did that have not been called to account. There is zero accountability in uh, David Cameron's worldview. And by getting rid of the Human Rights Act, <laughs> there's going to be less than zero. Mm. Amnesty also defends freedom of expression. There are some comedians out there that regularly push the boundaries and make jokes about controversial topics. Is there any subject you wouldn't talk about or include in your work? Sort of this, really. I, I, the thing is, is it's, it's as it an individual form of communication. The interesting thing about live comedy is, is that people, it's really weird, within performance, people forget they can leave. If anyone, if if an act started saying anything I didn't agree, I'd just leave. Mm. And it's like if I if I see crap on telly or crap on the radio, you turn over, you turn off. And it's that complaining about content in people's acts. The thing is, is the same people keep coming up with regard to people complaining about contentious material and so forth, and so they have a rep for it. And some people want that. Some people like that. Um, but. You know, that's the nature of any performance art. If you want to be a dick and you want to be offensive in order to make your point, then, you know, good luck to you, but I'm not staying in the room. And finally, when is Nevermind the Buzzcocks coming back? Um, we start filming the new uh, series in late September 2014, so I think it's season 27 or 28. 20. I can't remember. I've lost count. In I a think while. I think you're the longest-serving yeah, member yeah, by I've a long shot. I've only ever missed one. Just, does that annoy? It must be annoying to have that missed. I missed one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like I'd really like to have been like a, you know, uh, you know, like Cal Ripken who had the record for the longest streak on uh, in baseball, longest streak of uninterrupted games. But it was uh, yeah, it so was not close. to be. I had a holiday booked, and I did tell uh, them about it a year before, and I said that week I can't do it, and they just. I'm not that important ultimately to the setup. You know, you're just, uh, you're just. It's like I don't know. You're a Lego brick in a wall. <laughs> it's just, you're just part of the the whole thing there. You know, I have a I have a laugh doing that show. But was yeah. the holiday good though? Holiday was amazing. I went to Cuba. <laughs> Touchy <laughs> subject. Amnesty International. I went to Cuba. <laughs> let's let's have another half hour talking about Cuba and human rights. <laughs> well, I shall let you get back. Phil, to your friends. But thank you very much for joining us and I can't wait to see you up in Edinburgh and can't wait to see the new series of Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Thanks very much. If you're interested in learning more about human rights or joining Amnesty International, then please go to our website, amnesty.org.uk and make sure you don't miss our next episode. Here's a sneak peek. 
you know, I look back at early things I did and I think I was so keen not to be judged as a woman that I was actually quite unpleasant about other women and I sort of thought, oh, that, you know, I, I think I was trying to be a bit shocking or controversial or something and uh, and just didn't quite pull it off. I think I missed the mark, so, yeah. I. But, you know, that's that's life, isn't it? You learn and you grow and you change and, um, and you look back at yourself in previous times and think, what an appalling dick.